Digiday podcast. My name is Tim Peterson. I'm the senior media editor at Digiday. And I'm Kaylee Barber, media editor at Digiday. So Kaylee, you had the interview this week and you spoke with Charles Cantu, who is the CEO and founder of Reset Digital. Uh, Reset Digital had some news recently. They launched a you know new programmatic marketplace for Black-owned publishers, but and that was, I think, like one of the. It may have been the first time I had heard of Reset Digital when I saw that announcement. Kaylee, what is Reset Digital for anyone listening who's not familiar? Yeah, so Reset Digital is an ad agency, but they work in um, a variety of different ways with publishers. So, um, yes, they did create a new programmatic marketplace for the National Newspaper Publishers Association, which represents um, about 200 Black-owned newspapers in the U.S. and um, the marketplace is not just like we saw a lot of multicultural marketplaces crop up over the past few years, um, you know, from like the larger uh, agencies. And and, um, I think this one is slightly unique because it's, you know, just for these publishers, but it also is focused on trying to help the publishers in the network improve the tech capabilities so that they can support, you know, national programmatic advertising. And they work with different organizations to kind of bolster the publications that they're working with so that there's more of a focus on longevity in the business and, uh, you know, stable income and not just kind of a I guess, lower funnel, uh, additional incremental revenue and programmatic. It's meant to really grow to become a substantial portion of these publishers' businesses, um, you know, after working with uh, Reset Digital for, you know, a year or so. Got it. Okay. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned there have been these multicultural marketplaces that, you know, launched, um, I think like spring 2021 was when a lot of those popped up. There's also like, you know, Blavity has an ad network, um, Group Black, you know, also has an ad exchange too. Um, with Reset Digital, like in this programmatic marketplace that they're doing, what what's their pitch to publishers? Are they, did anything stand out to you about what they're offering publishers? Yeah, and so um, you're right. Again, like there are a lot of kind of options that came up in the past few years for um, um, Black-owned uh, publications to kind of, you know, look at in terms of partnerships. And um, when I asked uh, Charles what his kind of um, approach is to help his company stand out in that regard, he mentioned that a big focus is making sure that 70 cents on the dollar um, that comes through the marketplace stays with the publisher. And I think there's a big focus on making sure that the publishers are really um, the ones winning in these marketplace, in these uh, businesses. And so um, there's it just seems like there's a big focus on, again, stability, longevity, and uh, putting the publications first in the mix. And so we talk a lot about how he approaches the kind of investing um, into these publications and um, how publishers are supported in the process of, you know, approaching publications um, to join the network as well, as well as the advertising side of it. And it just seems like there's a lot uh, more relationship building that goes into the process, uh, which is interesting. But yeah, that's that's one of the first questions I ask him. And so he has a really interesting answer to dive into that. Got it. I'm excited to dive into the conversation. Thanks, Kayla. Yeah, thanks, Tim. 
Charles, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I wanted to have you on because I know you just launched a new programmatic marketplace for the National Newspaper Publishers Association, which represents 200 Black-owned publishers, um, national newspaper publishers in the country. And I wanted to chat about uh, this new initiative and this new launch. And um, I guess first question for you, when did the idea come along to create this um, programmatic marketplace? And uh, how long has this initiative been in the works? Well, in, in my heart, this has been in the works for probably around 10 years for for the progress that we've made <clears throat> directly with the NNPA. Um, it's been culminating over the last six months um, in the work that we do with um, you know our some of the advertisers that we work with and their agents uh, or agencies. Uh, we've been doing this for about four years now, three, four years, um, including Procter & Gamble, Verizon, General Motors, Milk, um, you name it, Unilever in South Africa. So so this is a global initiative um, for the NMPA specifically. It's obviously U.S. and national advertisers. Um, but yeah, we're, we're bigger than that too. Got it. And when was the exact launch date for this marketplace? Just want to make sure I have that date locked in. If I if I have it in my head right, uh, this was February fourth that we had did the official announcement. Um, but don't quote me on that. But it was the week of that. It was at the um, the NMPA conference in Puerto Rico, and there was a lot going on down there. Right. Okay. So fairly new because we're recording this on uh, Valentine's Day, February fourteenth. So only ten days or so in. Um, but uh, I am curious too because you know, over the past couple of years now, there's been quite a few agencies launching their own kind of takes on multicultural marketplaces, um, you know, focused on connecting advertisers with Black-owned, Latinx-owned, and other kind of minority-owned publications across the industry. Um, and I'd love to know if, if you can if you envision your marketplace kind of working in tandem with some of these other offerings in the market, or if there was this kind of, you know, open space in the market still that really you saw a need to launch this marketplace, like what, I guess, what about the industry wasn't quite fulfilling the needs of the NNPA's publishers? Well, the, I think there's a massive need. So let's start with um, first and foremost, the, the misnomer that, the long tail is ad enabled. Um, that, that may, um, have been true 15 years ago, um, 20 years ago with ad networks. Um, but as the industry, um, and the world has moved to programmatic, the focus originally was, you know, Comscore 250, Comscore 500. And that left a lot of small publishers, not just black, brown, Asian, LGBTQ, but it left a, a lot of small publishers, w women, men, everyone, um, in the lurch to figure out how they were going to monetize um, their websites. And, you know, a lot of them turned to different means and methods to, to try to do that. But programmatic wasn't one of them. It wasn't super serving them. Um, some, some folks that were good at it, that figured out how to play a volume game, um, did succeed, uh, but quite frankly, they grew out of their weight class. Um, with those small publishers, um, they all need, they all have different sets of needs in regard to, you know, how they're monetizing their, their website. So um, one of the publishers that we like to talk about as a good use case example is Quintessential Gentleman. 
um, online magazine publication, black owned and operated, um, you know, 10, 15,000 uniques monthly. So not a big site at all. Um, and quite frankly, this, this young gentleman was making money, um, selling regional hard coded ad campaigns and sponsorships. So no real, um, digital or, or real time ad enablement was, was happening there. So we brought an ad server to him. We brought our SSP to him. We brought a video player to him. And so now he's able to participate um, on a level that he never would have before. Right. And those are things that, you know, alone would have cost him $1,500, $2,500 a month in technology fees, which quite frankly, he wasn't making. So it wouldn't even make sense for him to do all of that just to come home with a check with 500000 bucks, 5000 bucks a month. Um, just wouldn't pencil out for him. Um, and that's the same across the board for small publishers. So, you know, we super serve folks that are underrepresented. That was actually one of my questions, too, because to your point, a lot of um, smaller to even midsize um, publications and independent publications don't have the the tech stack or the, the sales team or the budget to invest in those areas. Um, so how are you, I guess, supporting um, publishers that you see this opportunity? Like, I guess, how... Do you, I guess, subsidize that investment for them or align them with the right partners that they need? And at what point, you know, is it coming back to you to, you know, is it a rev share that you're sharing with them on the programmatic revenue earned in the future? Oh, absolutely. So, so the majority of the dollar goes to the publisher full stop. So, um, unlike other people that in our marketplace, you know, one, we built all the technology. So, um, in some cases we subsidize. So the ad server, you know, we pay a third party ad server, um, to bring those folks on to, cause we don't, we, we have a buy side ad server. We don't have a sell side ad server. Um, so that's an important part that we pay for, right? Um, same thing with the video player. We didn't build our video player. We, we bring in a third party, um, and we bring those solutions to them and we pay for that, right? So there's no out of pocket for them. Um, and then on the other side of the question, you know, an example of Procter and Gamble or Verizon, you know, more than 70 cents on the dollar actually goes to the publisher. So it's very unlike what you see in open marketplaces and programmatic and even quite frankly, big DSPs that have curated their own marketplaces that publish numbers of, you know, 60% margin. Um, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a 30 cents on the dollar going to the publisher. It's, we're, we're the opposite of that. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like it's quite an opportunity for publishers, too. So I'm curious how you are sourcing publishers to work with. Obviously, with the NNPA, you are, uh, you know, working with them as a larger entity, and they have 200 publishers within that. Um, but is there like a an application process? Or who do you kind of, uh, how do you find publishers to work with? Because, it sounds like a great deal for them, um, especially compared to other options on the market. Yeah. So we have done multiple things. We, we have a network of our own, um, of folks that know people. And so they were, you know, warm introductions and onboarded those folks. We started, um, one of the first groups that we worked with for, um, Procter and Gamble was, uh, national association of the black owned broadcasters. So it was all the black owned and operated broadcasters in this country. Um, that was our first bid and that added, I'm going to say about 450, um, 
URLs um, and, and, and all the relevant publishers around that. So um, that was our first. And then we started to blossom out. We hired some outsourced folks to make cold calls and, and, and the like. But we're, you know, we're always, always looking. And so with this specific marketplace for um, NNPA publishers, curious how that partnership kind of came along. Was it more so um, stemmed from a need that they had come to you with, or was it an opening you had identified yourself? Like, what was the, I guess, genesis of that? Um, I think it was both, right? So, um, you know, first and foremost, like Dr. Ben Chavis, who runs that organization, is a hero to many Black folks across America. He was fighting for human rights before there was um, the civil rights movement um, and throughout the civil rights movement. Dr. Chavis ran the NAACP. He helped organize the Million Man March. I mean, he is he is a very important figure in our community. Um, and these are very important voices in our communities, right? These are newspapers that and digital online um, URLs that most people have not heard of unless you're in the black community. And then they're the trusted voice. So for me, it was it was extremely important. And hence the um, having conversations with Dr. Chavis even even before reset. Um and ultimately, you know, they had a need as well, right? Because in their instances, they were doing all direct sold. Um, and big advertisers, national advertisers and their agencies want program, they want to buy programmatically. Um, and so we provide the tools and rules to make that possible for the agencies and, and the brands and the NNPA. excuse me, NNPA. So in, I guess, maybe the first year, if we're looking at, um, you know, a year-long context, what is what are some of your goals for the publishers that you're working with? Do, like, do you have kind of set revenue goals um, through the marketplace? Is there, um, you know, a hope to try and, uh, you know, you mentioned a lot of publishers are, you know, direct sold primarily um, in their advertising businesses. Is there a goal to get programmatic to, you know, maybe a third of their revenue this first year? Or I guess what are some of the like hopes and goals that you have set from a, a revenue perspective through the marketplace? First year, our goal um, in conjunction with um, Norman Rich, who's who's helping us run that that part of the project, there is about fifteen percent of their inventory to be monetized programmatically. Um, that that may grow, um, but that's the initial of, of uh, our focus, um, and it depends on the publisher, right? So some publishers. Um, I think an issue in the marketplace today is um, a lot of black publishers are oversold. Um, and I guess that's a good problem to have. But at the same time, you know, you've got folks um, trying to figure out how to fill on that inventory and not everyone knows how to do it. Um, we'll leave it at that. Um, in the case of what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure that we're growing their businesses and helping them increase their traffic volume in addition to being able to take down what is the existing 15%, right? So this is a true grow the pie solution um, where we're helping growing the audiences on the sites. Like, so at the NMPA, they had Google there teaching literally um, black newspapers how to increase their online rankings and increase their visits um, because all of these things matter. It's not just about ad enabling what exists. Um, it's, a, it's about playing catch up so that the whole thing grows the way we want it to grow. Right, because... At the end of the day, programmatic is dependent on having eyeballs on the ads. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. And I guess 
bearing in mind. So it sounds like there's a lot of, um, you know, partners involved in this marketplace, not just, you know, building the marketplace and, you know, enabling the tech if needed. Um, you mentioned Google as a partner, but what are some of the other kind of, I don't know, strategic initiatives around kind of helping publishers, to your point, play catch up if needed? Well, I think it's, so this is a everybody, um, movement. It's not just the publishers. So, you know, we've got the marketers that are involved that I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, they play a critical role because without them, Reset can't subsidize. Um, on the other side of that equation, you've got um, the work that we're doing with the um, the four A's on universal inclusion. And so making sure that marketers can reach inclusive audiences um, and then bringing all their agency constituents um, and having that that voice there. And then the ad agencies that play a role in making sure that they're good stewards and pushing money towards um, these publishers and working with them and us or others in regard to, you know, what is the, the definition of success in this? Um, is it just a click? Is it just an impression? Is it something else? You know, how are we driving ROI for a brand like General Motors? You know, that that's important. It's not just about like a charity movement here. Like these are real business cases. And so everybody, everybody is involved. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Then we'll be right back. And so I want to talk about, um, you know, the advertiser side of it too, and, and how you're, um, I guess, sourcing demand for this marketplace. You mentioned you've worked with, you know, these large um, advertisers for several years now. So I know you have good relationships there, but is it a lot of, you know, cold calling, relying on your network, like selling on, on your part, or is there inbound demand for this as well? Like, I guess, how are you sourcing advertisers to be transacting in this marketplace? Well, all, all of the above. I mean, I guess the good news is for a reset when we started, you know, we already had business built in and baked in. Um, and we built that business, you know, from inception and has been profitable since day one. So there's, there's goodness in that on the demand side. Um, we've had advertisers as long as, you know, since inception with, with milk and, uh, Marcus Thomas, the agency uh, in Ohio and, and Troy built. And so, you know, it's been a blessing to have those kinds of you know, marketers from day one to, to build this out. And then it's been a blessing to have folks like Mark Pritchard champion and endorse Reset, um, you know, quite frankly, when, you know, before that, I don't remember P&G ever endorsing their partners publicly. <laughs> so, um, you know, all of those things matter for outbound, for inbound, um, for lead gen. Um, but, you know, we're always looking for how we're going to drum up more business. And so, you know, conversations like this, quite frankly, usually generate, you know, one to five inbounds and those usually all convert. Um, the beauty of what we have is it's unique to the marketplace. There are others out there that are aggregators um, that don't have any technology and then they're using other technology partners, which, you know, when you add that up, you've got a margin for the the aggregator, you've got a margin for the SSP and you've got a margin for the DSP. And so, you know, you're talking about digital dimes, not dollars. Right. And so I think um, given kind of the state of the advertising market as a whole and the challenges to budgets, I mean, have there been any kind of challenges with, you know, advertisers being willing to spend right now on campaigns or have you noticed that budgets are down kind of generally speaking? Um, it depends. 
It depends on the marketer. It depends on the agency. It depends on how important this is. Usually there's, you know, one or a few people that really, really care. Um, at, at Verizon, for example, it, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing. Everybody really, really cares. Um, and we work directly with that client. Um, in some of the agency cases, you get one or two people and, and those people make the difference. Um, you know, we can talk about technology and we can talk about impressions and eyeballs, but ultimately it always comes down to people. Mm-hmm. It always comes down to people. And there are some good folks out there really doing the work. And then there's a lot of people, you know, talking about doing the work that are not. I was shocked the other day, you know, Fortune 500 brand um, and their agency said that, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion was not um, important to them this year. So I was shocked Seriously? to hear that. Yeah. But, you know, that that's that's one out of thousands. So, you know, OK. And, and maybe that was just someone being lazy. Who, who knows what the real reasons behind that are? We haven't delved into it yet, but we'll we'll find out. To your point, there are thousands of others out there that um, can replace those bad seeds. Um, that's fascinating, though, that they'd be willing to say that, especially in writing. In writing. Yeah. It was actually shocking. But, um, you know, again, who knows what was going on with that person? Who knows what's going on at that agency? Who knows in that particular division? It's a very big agency. And who knows what's going on with the client? You know, there's, it could just frankly be a miscommunication and mistake, right? Who knows yet? But to see it is shocking. Yeah. And I'm sure upsetting and frustrating and well, um, we don't take this stuff personally anymore. I think at the end of the day, we're, we're doing the right thing and a lot of people are. And so we, we're that we're living by that mission and mantra. And a lot of people like this are starting to say, well, that it, it was just a moment. I, I don't I'm not buying into that. I think I see real momentum um, on every side of this particular equation. I think, you know, people are just frustrated because there's a lot of talk and they haven't seen the action. But well, we're seeing the real action. So. Mm-hmm. It's a marathon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, delving into programmatic advertising um, specifically, I think in covering um, the publisher's perspective over the past couple of quarters, maybe last like half year or so, it's been one area that publishers have said has been a really strong area for their revenue, um, given the fact that it's so fast tr- to transact and um allows a a lot more flexibility than direct sold advertising. Um, With an economic downturn, you know, generally speaking, that's one of the, I guess, benefits for advertisers to have that flexibility. Um, You know, in launching a programmatic marketplace right now, um, I guess I'm curious, like, if that demand is still showing up, if it's, uh, I guess, compared to, like, when you mentioned um, the last marketplace you did for the uh, National Association of Black-Owned Broadcasters, um, is there still a lot of, I guess, demand on the programmatic side? Or, I mean, again, it it has to be case by case with advertisers. But um, I guess, what are you seeing from like a an overall spend perspective? Is is pr- like, I guess, programmatic still a, a high desirable? marketing category right now? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, my experience has been every fortune 1000 advertiser and their agencies have a programmatic line item. Um, 
without naming names, you know, I was looking at the entire plan for one of our clients um, across everything. And it, it made up a good third of their entire budget, um, which is, you know, tens of millions. It's not this particular client wasn't hundreds of millions, but, you know, a third of your budget is significant. It's significant. Yeah, absolutely. And from like a, a CPM perspective, um, I looking at, I guess, the holistic um, data, um, and I'm referencing um, operative stacks benchmarking data, which is, I guess, what I use for like averages um, and covering CPMs. But CPMs in January, and this is for private marketplaces specifically, was about 350 on average. Um, for display. But that, yeah. Um, and that's down. I mean, that's like the lowest it's been since June 2020. Um, curious how CPMs have been performing from your perspective um, through Reset Digital. I, have you noticed that CPMs are down currently and are, are they not as low as, as kind of what the average has uh, been reported? Well, okay. So, so two, two things. One, you know, I think that's a that's an industry benchmark. A lot of that has to do with, you know, click ready type websites. Um, and so they're not, you know, trusted sources of information necessarily. Um, cause that makes up mm -hmm. the bulk of what's out there in programmatic. Um, when we start to talk about NABOB or the NNPA or quite frankly, some of our other, um, you know, big named, um, publishers like, Newsweek or um, Black Enterprise and so on and so forth. These folks are not seeing CPMs that low. Um, you know, an NPA average direct sold CPM is somewhere around eight dollars, nine dollars. Um, I've seen I've seen CPMs, you know, on the low end, probably more around I would say four fifty five dollars. Um, but the goal of of what we're doing here at Reset with our marketplace is not to ask black and brown and Asian and, and, and other historically disadvantaged publishers to discount their inventory for programmatic. These are incredibly important initiatives for the marketers that we're working with. They understand that the growth of America is diverse right? It's, it's some kind of diversity, whether it's mixed race or some category. Um, but that's indicative of our population. And if the growth of our country is coming from there, then ultimately the growth for these brands and all brands is coming from diverse communities, um, in an inclusive way. And that doesn't mean ignore your total pop, um, or your Caucasian Americans, but it does mean, you know, be mindful of everybody and market to market to everyone. Right. Right. Pepsi Pepsi needs to reach people with lips. There's a lot of them. It's great though that there's not and I guess covering programmatic revenue kind of holistically and it being such an easy I guess tap to turn on and off. It's great to know that it's not just about where the lowest CPMs are in a lot of cases. Like if there's an initiative to um spend money with black and brown and asian owned publications it's not about, you know, which outlet's going to have the the lowest price, right? And, and No, this is about, again, back to the growing the pie part. This is just like you're saying. This is about making sure that they get the value that they provide for the audience that they're, that they're providing. It's a value exchange. And in a, 
in a true programmatic fashion, right? When we were doing this way back in the day at Media Math, it was you've got buyer value, value and seller value. And so it's not about a race to the bottom. It's, it's about the value exchange to drive the outcome. Mm-hmm. So I'm also curious, too, about kind of the creative side, because with programmatic advertising, um, one of the hesitations for some publishers to open that um, revenue stream is that there could be um, not as beautiful ads on their website, right? And there could be a little mm-hmm. bit of, uh, you know, uh, it could leave a bad taste if you have something really bottom of the funnel kind of showing up next to, you know, really important journalism. Um, how does the actual like visuals of the advertising appear? And is there kind of like a, a series of checks and balances? Like, is there a, a way for publishers to approve which advertisers are spending with them? Like, what's the what's that kind of checks and balances process like? So, so yes to all of that. So, you know, they can block advertisers they can block um categories iab specific categories they have full control our our publishers and publisher groups have full control of what they you know decide that they want to take or what they what they don't want to be next to um same way that an advertiser has those same decisions now the good news i guess in regard to our marketplace is that you know these marketers are um, creme de la creme marketers that we're bringing to the table. You're not seeing belly fat ads. We're not running, you know, lower level um, campaigns with, with stuff that you don't want to be next to. And quite frankly, the agencies that are designing these ads are, are really, really good at what they do. Um, and, you know, to take it a step further, we launched Neuroprogrammatic um, three years ago, and that's been coming on like, hellfire and what that essentially is is we're able to look at the emotion and the feelings within a creative and quite frankly the content itself and match those things together so you're talking about really sophisticated marketers agencies um that we're working with from a kpi perspective what are some of the goals that advertisers are looking for right now is it very much like kind of bottom funnel um transaction-based KPIs, or is there a lot of brand awareness with um, some of these programmatic buys? Well, that depends on the sophistication of the client. Some clients are looking at return on, you know, total profitable dollars returned. Others are looking at sales. Some are looking at, um, you know, essentially um, ESG goals, right? Equity, sustainability, and governance. Um, So everybody, a lot of them have different um, focus, but everyone wants sales and everyone wants to drive preference. You had referenced that some people are are viewing the past few years as kind of a momentary kind of surge in interest from advertisers on DEI buys and, um, you know, spending with black, brown, Asian owned publications, but you're more optimistic and you see this more as a a marathon and, and a long tail of being able to keep these dollars coming in. And I think, you know, marketplaces like this are a very solid move forward in doing that. But, um, I think, Every year, there's this issue of money coming in um, during Black History Month, and then you know the following few months it drops off, and then it's it's a struggle. And um, having talked to Black-owned publishers, you know, on the podcast and for you know different articles in the past, it's kind of a ongoing story that I hear from them. Um, you have a to your point a, a more optimistic view of this. How are you? I guess 
trying to ensure that that revenue keeps coming in, um, you know, in the back half of the year um, and making sure that it's not just a, a February push. Um, obviously, some publishers are very brazen about saying that they're not really focused on that right now, but um, or not publishers, advertisers. But I guess, you know, can you speak a little bit more about your optimism and, and forward looking, um, you know, into the rest of the year, how this revenue keeps coming in, these dollars keep coming in? Yeah, I think um, for, for me, I just, you know, go back to my grandfather who was, you know, who you surround yourself is, is who you are, right, um, with. And, and we've got some very committed um, activists as marketers, right, when you're talking about Mark Pritchard or you're talking about... Um, you know, Jenny Gardner and Tony Wells and Brianna Taylor and Heather Stewart and, you know, so many people that, um, Yin, Yin Ronnie, um, so many people that put so much of their heart and soul into not just marketing, but doing the right things. Um, you know, I'm blessed to have, be surrounded and being able to work with folks like this. Um, and these are real champions and, the thing about champions is they win. Right. And so we're, we knew this going in. We knew that two years out, this thing was going to start to fizzle. We knew that if we didn't put the infrastructure in place that no, no one would stick to it. Um, we brought all the tools and rules and all the big players. And so, you know, our growth trajectory is set. Awesome. And speaking of growth trajectory, I'm curious kind of your, Next steps, um, either with this marketplace, if there's a, a goal to replicate this model for other publishers, if you're looking to expand the publishers that um, will eventually be able to transact in this marketplace as well, um, or if, you know, it's it's better to keep it, you know, specific to NNPA for this one and then, you know, kind of build other marketplaces down the line as well. Like what are the, I guess, ambitions um, for growth looking at the publishers that you work with? Our, our goal is to do this right for everyone and all endpoints. So our mantra and our positioning statement is the promise of programmatic realized and the power of cognitive messaging unleashed. The promise of programmatic was that you would get efficient audiences at scale, um, as a buyer and as a, as a publisher, you would get a fair exchange for the value that you provide. Ultimately what ended up happening in this industry was there was a lot of intermediaries, um, and a lot of greedy folks, um, run by you know, different organizations that essentially made it very difficult for publishers to get their fair share made it very difficult for marketers to even know if they were buying a, a human impression or a bot impression. Um, and so it became a Rube Goldberg device in the words of Tony Pace, um, who used to be the chairman of the ANA and I'm one of our co-founders. Ultimately we've set out to fix that problem first. The fact that we represent um, diverse populations and communities and publications is because we care we registered the hashtag we all eat before Brianna Taylor and George Floyd. This is something that is, was important to us as part of our DNA that we were going to do whether or not there was a movement for it or not. Um, so ultimately I think the good news here is we've got all the right people in place, all the tools and rules, the thing we're able to do the thing that we want to be doing. And quite frankly, I think that's going to, 
empower these publishers to be able to grow. Um, because to me, again, I want to go back to, it's not just about getting them a percentage of the budget. It's about getting them a percentage of the budget so that they can grow their audience so that they can get a bigger share. They can ask for a bigger share next year. Um, but that's a lot of extra work that no one else in the industry is doing. Right. How you were explaining about giving the tools necessary and, and making sure that the infrastructure is built up and then working with other partners to help grow traffic and the all ships rise kind of model. I think you're right in covering this industry for a while and hearing about other multicultural marketplaces that popped up in the past year or two. There are a lot of um, inconsistencies in those, you know, mission statements that are shared. And I think you're right. It, it is less about supporting the publishers and more about trying to capitalize on, um, you know, a movement at the moment. So it makes a lot of sense that there needs to be a focus on the holistic picture and, and making sure that the publishers are supported in more ways than one. Yeah. The difference here is the publishers are the stars, right? And the buyers are the stars. Reset is the conduit. We're a tool. We work with agencies that white label our products. We work with publishers that white label our products. We work with associations that have missions and mantras. We work with large brands that want to tie all these things together. Um, we're not a one size fits all. And quite frankly, we're making sure that every endpoint gets the share and the value that they're putting in, right? So that the consumer, the publisher, and the marketer actually get what they should be paying for. It's a very different system that we built. Absolutely. Well, with that, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much, Charles, for joining us and for sharing what you've been working on at Reset Digital the past few weeks, but also really, you know, years. <laughs> it's been great to chat with you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Kaylee. And thank you for listening to the Digiday Podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you.